back to a new episode of Ben View on Spielberg. I am your Spielberg fanatic, Justin Kizan. And I am your Spielberg apatheticist, Emily Schmemily. Uh, so if you did listen to all four hours of the Back to the Future episode. God bless you. I, I love you. Yeah. I want you to know that. Thank <laughs> you. We see you. We see you. And we care. We were going delirious. By the end, even I don't remember half of the things I said in those episodes until I listened to them again. So. It's a wonder we were able to stay as on topic as we did. Well, that's how much we know that movie. Yeah. I mean, that's the truth. But even when our, when our brains are baked and... and, and M- mushed. Mushed and just boiled right out of our skulls. Yeah. We can still sort of follow the through line of Back to the Future. Back to the, if, if, if either of us ever lose our sanity... <laughs> Like tracing through the path of ba- of the plot of Back to the Future is how we can find our way back. That was actually the truth, and I I want to bring up the point you brought up in the episode again, where the idea is like you you know we we didn't have any we have any notes in front of we didn't have any notes in front of no. us. We just knew the movie. Anyway, we did Back to the Future for a big reason uh, beyond the fact that it was an episode that's just been dangling over our heads, but also the fact that dangling. yeah, <laughs> but also the fact that this month we have a new Spielberg film. A new Spielberg film is in theaters. A scant. Three months after uh, uh, the previous new Spielberg film. It's one of those years of the twofers. Yeah, although technically not because the post was 2017. Oh, true. Uh, There was an early uh, release film, but they were very close to a twofer. Yeah. Closer than most. uh, Very close. Uh, And, you know, uh, when he does those years, interesting stuff comes out sometimes Mm -hmm. or uh, you get a very clear delineage of the kind of movies he wants to do. He does a serious one. And then a funsies. And then a funsies. Yeah. And so... Again, another reason, too, to do this one is that because of the influence of Back to the Future mm-hmm. and the era it took and the era it was made. Yes. I felt it was wrong to not do Back to the Future. Before we did the film we're doing today. Yes. You want to yeah. go ahead? What's the film we're doing today? It's a little film called Ready Player One. So here's my question mm-hmm. for you. Have yeah. you read the book? No. Any interest in the book before, way even before the movie was announced being made? Not really. I mean, when it first came out, there was a lot of people saying that I should read it. And I kind of thought, yeah, maybe, whatever. And then, I don't know, the the, uh, the closer we got to the release of the film, there was, uh, I would say, a, a series of targeted mockeries against the book. Yes, there uh, was. On the internet, which yeah. I'll, I, I said it like that as if I'm framing it in defense of the book. But I, I mean, from the excerpts I read, I was like, yeah, this mockery seems kind of right on to me. Well... I read the book in 2012, mm-hmm. and I loved the book in 2012. Yeah, but I also haven't read it since. Yeah, I am a little bit older now. Mm-hmm. It has been a couple of years, a long while actually, to be fair. And yeah. honestly, I am a little afraid to do a revisit because I have a feeling it may not be rosy the second read. Um, because I kind of brought this up to a friend where it's like when I read the book the first time, it was kind of near the end of. Hey, something else in another media mentioned a thing I knew and liked. Yeah. And that was almost enough currency for me to like a thing. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. uh, Spaced is an example where, you know, uh, the beloved Spaced show. Yeah. But keeping in mind, that's a good show as well. It's a well-written show. It's a well-directed show. It is a show. good show. I will say when I watch it now, I don't, I don't get the same... I don't like it as much as I did back in the day. I still mm. like it, don't yeah, get me yeah. wrong, but it, I don't know. It definitely, it doesn't hold the same wonder for me that it maybe once did. Well, because for me, it's also because I've, I've seen it so much now. Yeah, and, same and I've seen other things that everyone involved in has done since. Yeah. Um, but I always will have a special place in my heart. But I would argue that Ready Player One was near the end of that type of era for mm. me because then six, seven years later, the rest of the, the culture that I'm into 
has now already been accepted. Yeah. It's part of the norm now to a certain degree. It's not weird as much as it used to be. So that isn't enough anymore. Yeah. But I did catch myself kind of wanting to defend the book when people were constantly kind of mocking it. But I also was sitting there going like, I'm just going to stay quiet. Yeah. And like, cause I'm not going to lie. I haven't read it since. And I just saw a Facebook post of a friend who he loved the book too. when he read it, then he did the reread and he hated it now. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going like, that's probably what's going to happen. So I'm going to avoid. Yeah. And just keep the, just, just remember what I vaguely remember about the movie book now. And when I get to the film, I'll just watch the film as the film. As a film. Yeah. Yeah. So let's cut to the chase. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? You're just gonna ask me point blank like point that. Blank. You're just gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna point just blank. Gonna rip this. Rip, rip this the band-aid, band-aid off. Just rip the bandaid off. I. I fucking hated this movie so much. All right. It seemed to me like. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my little pithy line about the movie, which mm. I'm aware I've crafted as a little pithy line, but I do believe this is true. I walked out of this movie thinking, "Oh, that was like pixels, but less fun." I've not seen Pixels, and I'm not sure if I want to believe you on that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying Pixels is good. Mm. I'm just saying I walked away from this movie really sort of angry, and it just Mm. felt so, I don't know, empty, and and just there was nothing there. And I don't know. I I really did not care for it. Okay. How did you feel about the film? I liked it. Yeah. (laughs) But back or back on our game, back to the old old (laughs) dynamic. Well, I'm not going to. Here's the thing. I liked it with caveats. Mm-hmm. I have problems, of course, with it. Yeah. There are things I think it does better than the book. Okay. And there are things that I feel that the things I kind of liked about the book uh, weren't in it, but that's always going to be the case of adaptation. So mm-hmm. I will say this. Um, round one, I liked it, but I have a feeling similar to my my kind of feelings of the book, and I haven't read a book again since. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling I'm curious about my second round. You know, when I get around to seeing it again at some point, then I have movie pass. So there's a possible I'm considering doing it just to get a second feel out of it. Sure. Just now that I get all the the things out of it, I got all I got all the the easy fun pits out of the way. Mm-hmm. Now, like, all right, well, does I do I honestly really like this? Like, how much do I really like this as a flick? Overall, I yeah. Yeah, I liked it as of right now. If you're point blank looking at me like the way you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. But you hear that tone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it, but I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I totally get it. I think I'm an easy target. That's the sure. other thing sometimes. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's I sort of, I had a hard time really understanding who this movie was for. Cause it's, mm-hmm. so it's very, it's packed with all these like references. Sure. Specifically to the 80s, to right. 80s pop culture. But like for most of them, and maybe not the ones like that are in the background, but for most of them, they stop and explain it each time yeah which for me as someone who's pretty into that that era of pop culture i'm like yeah i know what the shining is you don't need to explain <laughs> it to me but if i if i was someone who didn't know what that was i don't think I, I also still wouldn't find it fun because it's like going to school like i don't i don't know mm. I, I i don't know it's what what, what did what did you kind I, of i i feel that? like sometimes i was with you on, i'm with you on that sometimes some of the i i i feel like there's a part of it where i don't mind it's coming off as geek culture one-on-one sometimes Mm -hmm. because there will be folks who will watch this movie and i'll get to this later who just haven't seen all this stuff yeah uh there are definitely ones where i feel like you have to explain it because not everyone else will know that key one for me it's the big grace 
H Wade is kind of checking out Artemis mm-hmm. and Wade's contacting H like, Hey, do you, do you see that? And H is going, Oh yeah, that's Kaneda's bike from Akira. And yeah. I'm sitting there going like, that's for the audience yeah. who has never seen Akira or know what an Akira is. Yeah. And I, I kind of rolled my eyes at that because all right, I get it. Mm-hmm. Like I roll, but I get it. Yeah. So it's like that weird case of, I, I get it. Fine. But I mean, the thing is, if I, if I didn't know what Akira was, mm-hmm. I, I don't care that they've explained it. Right. So I just, I don't know. It's, it, it exists in this weird zone where I, I don't see, I don't see who it's enjoyable to these well, things. I mean, it's weird. Cause I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. So I feel like, I guess the weird question is people around their thirties. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, cause I mean, you and I, I would say are fair, fairly in the same place in regards to that, but we right. obviously came out with different uh, opinions on it. A different opinions. And there's still, there is a bit of a, still an age gap between you and that's me. true. You know, not a huge one, but mm-hmm. there is still an age gap between you and me where I'm not saying that's, I think affects your opinion or my opinion, but I always take that into consideration when we talk about like sure. what doesn't work for you and what does work for me. And I do feel like that sometimes that does play into it. Like I think of ET, the ET app, yeah, <laughs> and it still means a lot to me. And you hate it. I so- hate it. It's pile of trash. Burn it. Burn it. Burn ET. Um, put all copies of the film in the same landfill they put the Atari game. That's not fair. <laughs> that's not fair. It doesn't deserve that. Not even close deserving that. Um, you still have digital copies. Like yeah, <laughs> there's ways. But no. So with this one. Uh, where do you even want to start with? Like, well, what what other things are kind of like you want to, like anything that really stuck out with you? Negative, probably. Um, <laughs> okay, so I feel like one of the first things that bothered me in the movie that really started started me and Ready Player One off on a bad foot. Mm-hmm. A, it starts off with my least favorite trope in all of movies, which is where the movie starts with the main character narrating, telling you, "Yeah, this is this is my name. These are my motivations. Yeah. This is who I am." Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that's really really lazy, and this movie does that. And it also it's a lot of info dumping in the first half for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it also there's like one line at the beginning that I think sets the tone for what I saw as this boring like easy critique of of our times. When mm-hmm. Wade says like uh, he has some like throwaway line of like. I was born just after the corn syrup riots. And mm. that to me, that line is just so like, it's so like angry old dude, like uh, kids, the America these days with the corn syrup and everything. You did just realize I I'm referring to, I'm going to refer to an older episode we did, mm-hmm. which is LA 2017. Yeah. <laughs> and we're talking about the cow, the, the issues with the cows. Yeah. What happened to the cows? Now apparently there's a corn syrup. <laughs> I'll tell you, you know what? There's, I'll say there is a little bit of a of a mistake in my opinion mm-hmm. in terms of narration. Yeah, and narration is fine for yeah. me. I'm, I'm not into it. I'm not in love with it. Um, character narration in film is always risky because of what you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is one where I feel like it threw me out. It, it totally took me out, and I'm like, in a that's bad weird. way. In a bad way, yeah. Okay. It took me out in a bad way because I'm going, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Why would you? Why did you do that? Mm-hmm. Why'd you keep that in the edit? And it was this bit where Wade's explaining his family. Mm-hmm. And he does it twice. Yeah. Like he's explaining his living situation with his family and he does it twice. And I don't know why. Uh, like he's like, oh, I live with my aunt in the stacks. Yeah. And I live with my aunt in the stacks. Like he did that after. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember that. Part. Oh, yeah. There's this bit where he's explaining where his parents are mm-hmm. as he's suiting up to go to the Oasis. And we find that he lives with his aunt in stacks. This might have been the same moment when he mentioned the corn syrup riots. Um, possibly. Yeah. There. Yeah. Then a little bit later, when we he comes home and he has the the very cartoony, not that impressive, abusive, the abusive boyfriend of his aunt. Yes, and played by uh, Finch, Chris Finch from the British Office, if I'm not mistaken. Shut up. Who was late? Who was also the dad and the witch from I a few years ago? So didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. 
the mom, this aunt looks familiar. I can't place she my finger. She also looks familiar to me, but I, I didn't have that office memory locked <laughs> to go, so I'm not sure. I think I've probably seen her in a couple of, like, kind of Irish comedies and stuff sure. like that. Anyway, regardless of that, I uh, should have looked that up before. Anyway. Oh, well. So anyway, uh, he, you know, he got that kind of, like, not that great, not that interesting, abusive scene. And a little bit later, while we were seeing him getting, you know, going to bed, we he re-explains again his, his living situation with his aunt. And I'm like, why did you do that we already explained that and we literally are seeing you live with your aunt yeah it's weird should we talk about the relationship with his family in the film by the way because i also think that's a really weak point it's a weak part it's a weak point um, um it's as weak as it is in the book so, <laughs> okay so, hey fitting. i guess that's accurate uh yeah that fits i guess <laughs> it's not here's the thing is that like they in the i'll say in the movie from what i can tell because i again haven't read the book in a while um so if you the listener has you can go ahead and yell at me on twitter for this um but at justin keys on <laughs> um there's a bit in the in the movie where he's trying to you know kind of try to talk to his aunt about why are you why are you yeah why are you still with this guy and it's trying to come off as him caring in some fashion but it's like that i think in my memory he doesn't even do that in the book mm. so it's like the movie tries to tries to do it well it's that one it's like one moment where it's it's not totally believable like yeah. i don't i don't really get any sense yeah. that he cares about his family at all no exactly and yeah. then later in the film they're used as this like key motivation for him when they get killed by uh mm-hmm. what's his name um, nicholas willoughby or whatever. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, sorrento yeah sure ben mendelson's Sorrento. Oh right? yes, Ben yeah. Mendelsohn. But yeah, no, I kind of feel like I kind of I know I'm I'm going to be with you on that. It's it's they they tried one line to make his relationship with his aunt more than just oh I I live with her. Yeah, you know? and it doesn't work. I also okay. Let's talk about Wade yeah, for sure. a second. Yeah, sure. Do you like this boy? I think Wade is an okay cipher. I feel and like I just get such nothing from him. Well, he's like, I don't hate him, but I also don't love him. Yeah. He's kind of a... Ty Sheridan, I feel, has been an interesting situation since Mud. Yeah. Have you seen Mud? I have. Uh, did you like him in Mud? I did. See, Yeah, me too. So mm-hmm. I feel like he was good in an indie film. And then when Hollywood decides to try to use him, I don't know if they know how to use him yet. Yeah. And like they figured putting him in this role is fine. And so Ty's fine. But I, I don't even blame him necessarily. I think it's just the way the character is written. There's so, oh yeah, there's nothing there. Like he's like, I feel like we don't know anything about him. All we know is that he he knows. We don't even necessarily get a sense that he likes all these eighties movies. It's just that he's sort of obsessed with them because he's he's a gunter. Which which is actually kind of on point with the book. Is gunter supposed to sound silly and stupid? Yeah. Okay. I, I think that's kind of... Mission the, accomplished, I guess. I know. I think that's kind of intentionally fun, stupid. Okay. That, I had a real hard tell, time telling what was supposed to be funny and what was them taking themselves seriously that's in this fair. movie. I think with, with Wade is that Wade's kind of... Even in the book, mm-hmm. Wade is sort of... Obviously, Wade is some sort of 21st century, like, Charlie Bucket. Sure. N- let me explain. No, no, no. Okay. Because I... Because first off, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is one of my favorite I mean, books the, of all time. The parallels there are very, I would say, obvious, but, yeah. L- but let me explain why I don't think it quite works. Okay, <laughs> okay. okay good. Okay, because I'll point out, he's supposed to be that. Yeah. I'm not saying that he, he nails it. And the reason why it doesn't quite work the same way mm-hmm. is that Wade's relationship with, the only relationship that seems like of any form of kind of character back and forth is with H. Mm-hmm. But H does all the heavy lifting mm-hmm. in, in terms of, of characterization, in terms of personality, in terms of charisma. Yes. Correct. Wade is there. Yes. And uh, it's this weird case of 
he could be better. I'm not annoyed with him, so I guess it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I am annoyed with him, and we'll get into that, I guess. Yeah, but again, yeah, that makes sense, because, like, mm. I feel bad for Charlie Bucket at the start of the movie. Oh, sure. I would be perfectly happy if Wade fucking died in the stacks. I would not give a shit. Because the the start of, of the story for Charlie Chalk Factory, Charlie Chalk Factory, and Willy Wonka in the Chalk Factory, the mm-hmm. film version, not, I'm not talking about the Tim Burton one, <laughs> obviously, is that their goals, especially with the, 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 especially with the original Gene Wilder film, is that you do feel uh, a lot of sadness for the, Char- the situation that Charlie's in, and the film kind of rushes, this film, Ready Player One, kind of rushes any kind of ways you can feel sympathetic towards Wade in that regard. So right now, Wade's there and he's your lead and so i mean i guess that's fine yeah <laughs> i don't know yeah and I, I also don't i sort of don't understand what is supposed to make him so exceptional this was a running thing i i, I sort of bothered me about the movie is so the first key he gets yeah um the clue he figures out yeah am i crazy or was it like insanely obvious what the clue was well, watching that and video this is- and fucking absurd that they're saying in five years well that no it's funny no one figured that out it's funny you bring that up because i a fellow friend of ours nathan yeah also brought that up <laughs> yeah and he brings and he's like this is that weird case of because i know in real life mm-hmm. when when real video games put a a, a quote-unquote hard easter egg yeah Hardcore gamers will figure that shit out in two weeks max. Yeah, I'm ignoring the fact that even with without with seeing zero clues in a day, someone would have right would have because the first thing you do when you're looking for an Easter egg is you check every inch of the playable area. There's no way someone wouldn't have driven backwards on the track. So here's the thing: why it doesn't bother me that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And trust me, I get if it does mm-hmm. bother everyone else. <laughs> I guess it's part of me sitting there. It's it's sitting there going like. This is Easter Egg 101 yeah. for everyone else who isn't in the game culture. So it's an easy clue for a movie. So I wish they could have been a lot more clever with it. I'll roll with it because we just got to get the plot going. I don't know. I guess it just it felt more like a I mean, those clues made it feel more like a kid's movie to me. And, and that's fine, but too. It would I be add. fine, but I don't think the tone was of a kid's movie. It's kind of is. I guess. Like, you know, I feel like it could be. Actually, it is in a way. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I'll bring up the fact a little bit later, but uh, uh, a little bit more later. But I will bring up the fact that like my eight-year-old nephew saw it, mm-hmm. and I kind of wanted to share his, his okay. feelings. Okay, I'm on actually very curious. Yeah, but we'll go to further on on what okay. thoughts on this film. Uh, but uh, I'll, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. The the, the clue was easy. Yeah. <laughs> it, I would say all of the clues were easy. Well, the clues are pretty easy, but yeah. I mean, at the same time, it's like yeah, I get it. It's this is for this is Easter egg clue hunting for for everyone else. So, but I think where it runs an issue with me is like. The only thing that literally the only thing that makes Wade stand out is that mm. he was the one who figured out these clues. And because they're so easy to figure out mm. that it robs me of of the one very flimsy reason I had to care about Wade. I don't. I guess it's fine for me. I don't know. I, I, I There's this weird thing where I've, I feel like it's kind of like when I hear people talk about Harry Potter, the series yeah. and say, oh, the least interesting character is Harry Potter. I agree with that. And that, see, and then yeah. I hear that a lot. <laughs> or when I or when people talk about Star Wars and least interesting characters, Luke. I was literally just before we were recording saying that so, if I had to cut a character out of The Last Jedi, it would be And least interesting character thing in Lord of the Rings is Frodo, and least interesting character is... Yeah. I don't... I feel like at the end of the day, it's like, okay, what's the problem with these? And why do we always find these characters? Or why does a lot of people feel like these characters are the least interesting characters? And the answer, I guess, in the long run... I'm not saying this makes Ready Player One a great movie, mm-hmm. or as good as those stories. But Wade just fits in that trope of, in a way, in a weird way... It's supposed to be you. 
Okay. Like you're the reader. Yeah. Sure. Kind of you can you're kind of allowed to put yourself in that story. Mm-hmm. It's the same reason why Harry Potter is that way, why Luke's that way. Even though I will argue there's a little more spark of life in Luke in the in a new hope. Yeah. Why Frodo's that way, why Bilbo is somewhat that way, depending on how you read it. It's just kind of there because the cooler characters are surrounding these folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Luke is a kid, but then Han's cool. Sure. You know, Harry is, you know, this kid with a with a horrible backstory about his family. But then who doesn't want to be as smart as Hermione, even if she's a pain, mm-hmm. you know, True. or who doesn't feel like they're um, relating to Ron when Ron is just <laughs> so like, sad. I like that you said, who, who doesn't, who people want to be Hermione, yeah. but people think they are sadly wrong. But am I not wrong about You're that? 100% correct about that. <laughs> so I kind of feel like the central character in these stories yeah, you're kind of stuck with kind of writing them simple. I, I get that, but I, I feel like there has to be this base likability to them that mm-hmm. Luke does have. Sure, that, yeah. Um, that Frodo does have, yeah. that Harry Potter does have, yeah. that I don't get from Wade at all. And that's kind of the problem with Wade. Yeah. He's like, and that's why, again, it's a weird case of, I think Ty Sheridan can be a good actor, mm-hmm. and I've seen him be a good actor, but the way he's written both in the book and the way he's written in the film is fine-ish. Yeah. Like, he's there and I'm not pissed off. He's at him. certainly there. Yeah, I'm not pissed off at him. That's the thing for me. I don't know what what was the moment that made you kind of get pissed off at the character. Just that he was demanding so much of my time on screen. So it's not even anything really he does in the story that you've already been tired of the character. I mean, I don't know. I I really hate his the way they uh, portray his relationship with Artemis. I will say okay. that to me seemed just really. I don't know. It's a trope that I'm really, really sick of. Oh, no. Of, of like. No, that's fair. This. I want to. Let's talk about Artemis. Yeah. Let's talk about Artemis. Um, because you're not wrong <laughs> yeah. on on the on the tropiness of the relationship. Mm-hmm. It is a trope. Yeah. It's a trope that I feel like a lot of folks are definitely tired of. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. I will say this. Artemis is better in the movie than she was in the book. And if you really didn't like her character in this movie, then you're going to really not. You should definitely not read the book. <laughs> But I, because here's the thing, Artemis disappears in the book at one point. Oh, gross. Uh, yeah. Why? Oh, because like, you know, it's Wade, it's, to, bear, to paraphrase, Wade did something really stupid mm-hmm. and she got really mad at him and then she disappeared for about a good chunk of the story. Oh, that's dumb as hell. It um, is. It was. Yeah. It is. I don't know. It just, it feels like a lot of times she's used as a sort of trophy for Wade. It's also got that horrible oh, thing yeah. of like, I'm I'm so ugly, you wouldn't like me. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, you're, no. This, <laughs> well, can I? It's, I don't know. It just felt very, it felt very inauthentic to me. This, this, I, and it also yeah. felt like we're supposed to like Wade because he's such a good person yeah. to see past her birthmark, which is like the fuck off, dude. Well, that's now, not these laudable. are all, and these are all movie tropey stuff, yeah. right? Like the, the, the girl who's obviously very pretty besides mm. a birthmark. But yeah. I mean, like, can we be a little honest about that? Yeah. Like people who are gorgeous, who have had birthmarks like that don't feel that way don't feel like they're obviously pretty so true I mean, but i feel like the, the movie puts us in a position where we're supposed to be like oh isn't wade a good person for seeing past that when that's basic decency i mean sure but at the same time it's i mean like when i i don't know i feel like whenever i keep hearing that as mm-hmm. a constant but she's so obviously pretty with a birthmark we kids like yeah but people don't think of themselves that attractive regardless yeah. even if they do have even if they are traditionally pretty besides a very obvious birthmark, they're going to find problems with them no matter what. Yeah, no, I agree. And I'm just like, I don't know the trope I don't like. And I, I, yeah. I don't like I don't like the 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 way to try to use that for to give currency to weight. And that's fair. I mean, like, I th- and again, it goes back to the kind of 
I'm whatever about Wade. Yeah. And I won't point out, I don't know how you feel about this, but I legitimately enjoyed Olivia Cook in the film. She she played um Sam slash Artemis. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's she's good. I liked her. I really liked her a lot. I've not seen her in anything else. So I honestly didn't really get a good sense of performance out of anyone in the film. I, I, it, no, I don't know. Maybe I, it's just because I hated the material so much. Yeah, I mean, it's I, fine. I, don't know. I guess so. I really liked her performance here. I think she came through, especially with the motion capture stuff. Yeah. Like she added a lot of good personality beats to a character that honestly wasn't pretty rid- kind of thinly written in yeah. the book. And so and honestly, still kind of thinly written in the movie. You know, it's she's definitely they try. I think there's a whole other movie about the idea of falling in love with an Internet persona because there's been the movie where uh, isn't this the movie her kind of which I've never seen. Mm, Not really. Okay, I haven't Um, seen the film, so should i guess i don't know i love that movie so that's one of my favorite movies. i think that was actually in fact my favorite movie that year uh, okay that's the film catfish <laughs> i guess i should watch catfish spoiler, spoiler alarm for catfish sorry i don't know it's, do you guys even remember catfish <laughs> uh, is it There's still a tv t- show it might still be a tv show on okay. mtv i was i forgot the yeah that's right there's a tv show anyway remember when neve used a water bottle to hold an uh, elevator open for women's rights no, that was a great, it was a great time on the internet. God. Uh, Neve from Catfish took a, picture of, <laughs> took a picture of himself standing in front of an elevator. And for some reason, I guess it was important to him to have the door open because um, there's a water bottle propping the door open. And he just made this very grandiose post about, uh, about supporting women's rights. And then everyone just made fun of him for how cheesy it was. I'm kind of cool with that. I made fun of him. <laughs> like, why are you, what's with the water bottle, dude? It's, it's pretty cheesy. Yeah. It? <laughs> yeah. No, I feel like there is a there is a movie about the idea of somebody who creates their own personal mm-hmm. perfected internet version of themselves. Yeah, and and for the idea of someone to fall in love with the idea of who they present themselves online. Yeah, I've had more than uh, one friends I can call. I I, I I one friends I know who you know I've known them through the internet persona, then met them in real life, and then got a better chance of knowing who they are in real life. Mm-hmm. And I know how they to say it put to it simply like curate yeah what they put out there mm-hmm. uh and in a good way both they will allow their real self to show up but that's why they also are very careful about people going too into who they are and who they think they are mm-hmm. i think it's a whole other movie that i knew i was not going to get in this movie <laughs> yeah of course. And, and we get a tiny bits of it mm-hmm. here's my thing if i'm gonna be i say i like the movie and yeah. i do but i'm gonna i'm gonna hang out in the negative zone for a tiny bit okay. for you just join for me. you join me <laughs> the water's warm this is a movie when people were really ragging on the film, mm-hmm. it was hard for me to def- before the movie came out. It was hard for me to defend it. Yeah. The only reason, the only defense I can give was, well, wait till the movie's out. Yeah. Then watch it. And if it's bad, hey, I'll join right in. Yeah. If it's, if it's as bad as you all think and it is. And here you are joining in. Mom- I am. Momentarily. Momentarily, because I overall found enjoyment in the film. But let me point something out. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, I think there is something to the concept of Ready Player One that can be explored in a cool relevant way to look at internet culture in 2018 yes but the writers are all both the writers are both over 50 mm-hmm. and our director of the man whose name is podcast is actor yes as much as you know i mean like i as much as i and i'm gonna get to stuff i think he did amazing in the film personally mm-hmm. he's over 70 yes and these are all and they're all white male mm-hmm. and so these are all perspectives that I knew (laughs) we're not going to get anything other than a surface read Mm -hmm. on a lot of the things in the book. Yeah. So I accepted that as well. That's just how it's going to be. Yeah. Because I think if someone 
uh, of color <laughs> and a little and a lot younger who understands the internet culture, who took that could, could have taken that book, kept the spirit of what people liked about the book, but then had a chance to really explore new like what the internet culture is now. Yeah, I think that would have been an amazing film. Mm-hmm. And maybe someone else will do something like that and not be based off Ready Part One. Yeah. But I feel like that's an, that would have been an amazing movie. But I knew who I was getting. I knew what I was getting myself into when yeah. the screen, with the book. When the, old man Steve came along. When he picked a book written by middle aged Ernie Klein. Yeah. <laughs> I knew what I was getting myself about into. About how kids born 10 years from now will only like the yeah. movies that they liked when they were kids. Right, right. That is such an old man fantasy. Well, and here's the thing that I kind of wish they did in the movie. Mm-hmm. And they kind of touched on it. No, they actually touched on it in the book. And I wish they played with it more mm-hmm. there's this idea that Je- uh, holiday the man who created the oasis or co-created the oasis mm-hmm. is uh, a guy who you know so obsessed with uh, his geek interests mm-hmm. that he kind of wished the world was into it as well yeah when he died and created the game he you know everyone else decided to look up the stuff he's into to find clues and Odian, the character that Simon play Simon Pegg plays mm-hmm. in the end of one chapter as he's playing, you know, yeah, more you know, Holiday's whole story, when he brings that up, it's like in a weird way, I guess he got what he wanted. The whole world now knows and is interested in the things he was into. Yeah. By force, because yes. they're greedy bastards. <laughs> and then they came off as a sort of a sad note, which I kinda liked. Yeah. And is not touched on in this film at all. Not at all. Not it at seems unironically celebrated in the film. Yeah. Which also bothered me. I don't sure. know. It just felt weird and gross. What about that? That felt weird and gross. Um, it just felt like I don't know. It just felt like this this weird worship of a very specific time and culture that doesn't exist anymore. Just so this uncritical, like yes, yeah. this was the best it ever was, and it's only ever going to be that good. And yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's why I found fault with the film was because if the if the film is positing that. Uh, the best thing in the world is all these movies that came out in, in the 80s. And of course, a movie that came out in 2018 is not going to be very good because right. that's it, that's how it sees itself. And I guess that's kind of where I'm in that my weird divide. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that the 80s were perfect. Definitely yeah. not saying that the 80s were perfect. And even our four hour epic that was the Back to the Future episode. Yeah. Um, if I could be kind of honest about that episode, as much as I like what we recorded, I am like, I wish I we were so negative. A lot. Mm. And I kind of felt bad about it after a bit. I'm not going to lie. That's yeah. that's me being truthful. I felt bad about us kind of focusing a lot on the negative And I realized like, it must, we did focus a lot on the positive too. Yeah. But the negative was so new to me to, in discussion mm-hmm. that I've never realized. I never felt, I never had negative conversations about Back to the Future yeah. ever. But when we were doing it, I mean, we weren't wrong for bringing up those points that are no. dated and that shouldn't have been done yeah. or don't look good now. But I felt bad because yeah. I mean, like, this is my favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Like, how did I, why did I just do that? But yeah. then that's also me acknowledging there's problems. Yeah. But I'm not yet really ready to kind of let go of my emotional attachment mm-hmm. to the films in that time period. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's kind of where my weird conflict is with Ready yeah. Player One. Like, I am emotionally attached to that stuff. It is easy for me to just mention something I like sometimes still and, and I can still be excited for it. But I'm also been trying to push out of that mm-hmm. and learn and get other things in my brain and other perspectives. And <laughs> yeah, it's hard. That's my little internal struggle. That's why I go. I like the movie. But man, there are things that I'm I'm learning. I kind of want to move on from in storytelling and yeah. tropes, etc. Let the past die. 
kill it. Kill it. Well, that's why I love Last Jedi so much. It, it points the finger at, at what I think should be done. Yeah. And well, goes. I think that's also especially why Ready Player One really kind of thudded for me was mm. The Last Jedi, I think, weirdly is is a similar movie in that it's also a lot about nostalgia and how we feel about the past. Sure. But Ray the, represents that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And the, but the last Jedi, I would say, is even though that's kind of the the spoken message of of the villain of the film, it, I think it is very much of the perspective uh, of the perspective that you do have to move on from the past, mm-hmm. and there are good ways to do that. Like Ray sort of learns by the end of the film, right? And there are bad ways to do that, and that's Kylo Ren. Yeah. But it's it's very much about well, the past is over. Like now is now. How do we how do we move on in a way that is good? Yeah. Whereas Ready Player One is just like the past is great. End of thought. <laughs> um, and I don't know. It's just it's it's so much it's so much less interesting than mm-hmm. than the Last Jedi's treatment. And I think that's fair. I mean, like, I, and I that's why the Last Jedi is great. And you're all you're all you're all a bunch of <laughs> meanie poopy heads for <laughs> mean heads for not liking it. And I guess I'm not ready to let go quite yet. I yeah. think that's that's my truth. Mm. That's something I've been kind of struggling with. And yeah. I feel like I'm not ready yet. But I know, I know there's a part of me that doesn't that knows where it's it's stuck mm. but i can't acknowledge that yet yeah. and i think that's just a personal thing for me yeah you know um anything you liked at all uh <laughs> honestly not really i'm trying to think um i, I don't know how much we need to talk about it because it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those things that seems to me is just like oh this is obviously bad they right. made they made the iron giant into a gun mm-hmm. well at least it didn't do the thing that I read that was in the actual like early script. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the reason I'm okay with it is like, well, it's not really the Iron Giant, is it? it yeah, it's, 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 it's H. An, it's it's a in an Iron Giant mech. Yeah, essentially. so that's kind of my out. But there was a version of the script that I'm relieved it's not in the movie, mm-hmm. where the Iron Giant literally says the line. I am not a gun. This is a gun. And oh, it pulls out a God. really big gun. <laughs> That's awful. Oh, no, no. I read that. And went, I'm like, oh, what draft is this? Please tell me it was early. Yeah. And as I'm watching the movie, I was waiting for that line in, mm-hmm. with, in fear of it yeah. showing up. And while I did see one bit where the Iron Giant puts a gun and shoots, mm-hmm. like turns his hand into a gun because like, he can't yeah. do that. I'm like, uh-huh, man. That's it? Okay, I'm cool. I'm but again, fine. I think it, it gets into that place where... Again, I'm asking who is this movie for? Because if you have affection for the Iron Giant, right. like uh, you're someone who would theoretically be happy to see the Iron Giant appear in the film, yeah. this isn't satisfying because you mm. know it's not the character. But it's I think but it's, it's, I think it's fine though. I know it's I think part of me is like it's, it's just fine, but is it good? I you know what? I'll stand by foot. I like it. Okay. I do like it. And I think the reason it's like you're asking who this is for. Mm. And it's like, I think it's just enough to know that I see him there. Yeah. And I know it's not really him. Yeah. His spirit, it's not the it's not the Iron Giant that showed up at the end. That's not the Iron Giant reconnected again yeah. and it's hanging out with Hogarth now. It's like, no, no, that's that's a skin that H is wearing to I be guess. the Iron Giant. And I'm you know what? I like it. I'm having fun with it, you know? It's just a cool aesthetic. Yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to like No, no, I, I think here. I'm genuine I like I'm genuinely I wanna know. I think it's partially a cool aesthetic and okay. it's kinda like if I'm playing a video game and I decide I'm playing Obi-Wan Kenobi in mm-hmm. a video game or like whatever. Yeah. I just like the idea that it's like, I'm not, I know I'm not moving like Obi-Wan Kenobi would ever like a, a new hope Obi-Wan Kenobi. Sure. Like I know I'm not literally being really how Obi-Wan Kenobi is at all, but it's fun. 
And I, I mean, I, I guess I like the idea it. is if I if if I was playing a video game where I was, I would go, I would be trying to play it as close to Obi Wan as possible. Maybe I just that's like just the difference between that's you and how me. we also play games differently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm also not a big gamer to be fair. So, yeah. um, so yeah, yeah. I guess that that's that's my thing. It's like I'm like yeah. Well, I also know it's not it's not really Iron Giant. So I'm I'm I, I I'm having fun with it. I guess I don't know. It just seems again. It just seems so empty to me. Like I, I like. I guess this is. I guess Iron Giant looks like that, and I guess it's cool that mm. I can see him in a fight. I'd rather be watching the Iron Giant right now. I guess mm. that was really where the film fell apart for me. Was anytime, you know, we see the Iron Giant, we see the DeLorean, we see Akira's bike, we see Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, there wasn't a single one of those times where I wasn't like, oh, I wish I was watching that movie right now. Mm-hmm. It didn't. The movie didn't seem to elevate itself with these crossover things. It seemed to only remind me of other better movies. And I guess that's kind of the weird place um, you and me are at with this movie. Mm-hmm. Is that I'm still finding enjoyment with, okay, cool, you did the thing. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know why I'm watching this. Yeah. <laughs> hey. I to- mean, I guess I'm also literally thinking the words, oh, cool, you did the thing, but I'm sort of sarcastic about it. Well, okay, side note. Um, like, you did the thing. Why? Y- you mentioned Mechagodzilla. Yeah. Uh, Emily, uh, you have done the thing that, as a hardcore Tokusatsu fan, I claim to be. Mm-hmm. You have done the thing I still haven't done. Correct. You have watched how many Godzilla movies? All of them. Which it was twenty six when I did it, but I believe it's twenty seven now. If my math is correct. If I can play a little nitpick. Yeah. Mechagodzilla is. They called that Mechagodzilla. Yeah. Did you recognize that Mechagodzilla design? No. Sap. Yep. Yeah. They they called it Mechagodzilla. Uh, Akira, uh, uh, I forgot the score. Mm-hmm. The, the, they quote the score yeah. of Godzilla. Yeah. Which made me kind of crack a smile. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. I did like that. I, I will say, actually, you know what? You asked me for one thing I like in the movie. I like the music. Hey, let me pause on this stuff for a second of <laughs> yeah. making fun of Rekka Godzilla. Yeah. Do, I love do its do a Yeah. I, I like it. It, all, it does feel weirdly like. Even in moments where they're not doing Back to the Future references, it does feel like, oh, this is like some weird alternate <laughs> Back to the Future music. It's actually... Which I like. You know what? Yeah, I want to bring up Alan Silvestri a lot in this mm-hmm. one because like, um, Alan Silvestri was... Obviously, we gushed over Alan Silvestri in, in Back to the Future. And also, I gushed about him on my other podcast because he did the score for the Super Mario Brothers movie. He did? Yes, he did. I did not know that. <laughs> but no, the, the cool thing about... Okay, this is also one of those years where uh, John Williams was a little busy because mm-hmm. of a thing called Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> um, the amount of times that has happened to Steven Spielberg's career is surprisingly hilarious <laughs> to me that he can't score a, a Spielberg movie because he's doing a Star War. Yeah. But I find it mega appropriate mm-hmm. that he got Alan Silvestri. Yeah. Because I feel... Honestly, Alan was the better call. I agree. Because Alan, beyond just Back to the Future, Alan's 80s scores, like mm. like Predator and such, yeah. feel like 80s movies to yeah. me, more so than anything else. And uh, he's done some good scores since. You know, I love the first Avenger Captain America score. Yeah, that's a really great score. Um, Super I, Mario Brothers. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the Avenger score was a grower, but I grew to like it. Mm. But I, when I was hearing his music in this film, I'm like, oh, Alan, you're going... You're, you're you're going. Oh, back. You're reaching into the vault, <laughs> and, I, and I'm digging it. Yeah, I was really into the music. I will, uh, I will give the movie that. Actually, I was listening to the score uh, yesterday during work, mm-hmm. and it was it was just just the me listening to it isolated. And I'm like, oh, Alan, this is cool. Yeah, like, if I was talking to Alan Spester right then, I was like, this yeah. is cool. It's <laughs> like it's like I'm feeling like you just like I'm going back. To, you're going back. Literally, yeah. this is just this is like you said. It's like a loss back to the future score. Yeah. in a good way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh yeah, this feels right. 
this feels like the movie it should be. Uh, and if I can, if I can again compare the the film to the Last Jedi, but this time favorably. Sure. In the same way that um, I like the Force Awakens score, but it wasn't until the Last Jedi score that I was like, oh yeah, this feels fucking Star Wars. So, <laughs> um, uh, it's still it's like new and exciting, but it also feels extremely Star Wars. And I think the score in this movie does the same thing. I'm yeah. like, it, it feels new and exciting, but it also feels so of that era. It's, it's a really good score. Yeah. I will say that without, without qualification, I enjoyed the score. Of the excellent. Movie. Excellent. Now let's go back to making fun of Mecha Godzilla. Yes. What is that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that is. I've, I, when I hear Mecha Godzilla, I'm kind of thinking either like seventies Mecha Godzilla now, Okay. Or like '90s Mechagodzilla, which I is kind of one of my personal favorites. It's very good. I guess I'm gonna be the weird one to to advocate for the film right now. Mm-hmm. Can an argument be made that because Sorrento is not a true fan, oh, perhaps that is why his design is not as authentic as the other characters' designs are in the film? That's possible. Yeah, that is a way to read it. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm giving the film that justification. I am just surprised as you are. <laughs> Maybe because the glow of Alvin Silvestri is like kind of like yeah, if, like lasting a tiny bit longer than it should. Um, <laughs> I because you know technically speaking, shouldn't he just be pulling off the same like Rolodex of other crap everyone can us can pull out? I mean, I get well. I guess if the idea is that like so most of the stuff that's like stuff from other films is is modded content, right? They say that yeah. at one point in the film. Like, yeah. H is a modder. That's why, that's why they have all the stuff. Yeah. Um, so, may, I mean, maybe he just, he, it, you know, there are shitty mods out there. On the internet. <laughs> maybe he just didn't care to find a good one. I mean, that almost feels correct on, on Sorrento. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on him as an actor and how do you feel about him here? I think he's one of those, those, he's in that classic style of actor that is serviceable, but forgettable for me. Yeah. I never, I never hate him in a movie. I mm. never remember him much longer after the credits roll. Um, I, cause I saw him, I've seen him in, this is the third film I've seen him in. I, to my memory, I can, mm. I can only think of one other that I've seen him in. Uh, well, Rogue One. Rogue One. Yeah. And then the first time I ever saw him in was a movie called, uh, Animal Kingdom. I've seen that film. Yeah, so he was in that one. I don't recall him in it, but again, yeah, leading back to my point. He's very good in that one. Okay. But I kind of feel like he's sort of stuck yeah. in as Hollywood's new bad guy. Yeah. He's in that like, oh, just make him a bad guy. You know who he reminds me of? Because mm. he's exactly the older version of this actor. Okay. It's someone whose name I can't remember because he's one of those actors that I find very forgettable. But he was the bad guy in uh, Civil War. Oh, Daniel Brühl. That guy. Yeah. It seems to me like Ben Mendelsohn is just the 20 years aged up Daniel Brew. <laughs> Daniel Brew. Yeah. I feel bad for Daniel Brew because like, like, I don't think he's been kind of yeah. stuck in similar, similar case sometimes too. Um, and yeah, Mendelsohn I feel is in the same. And I think he's okay with it. I'm noticing. Yeah. I think he's fine playing an a-hole. You're going to yeah. see him next to Sharing of Nottingham and the 18,000th version of Robin Hood coming up later this year. Fun. So. Yay. <laughs> I've only seen, can I say I've only ever seen one film version of Robin Hood? That's surprising. Really? Yeah. Which one? Uh, for some goddamn reason, it's the Ridley Scott version is the only one I've seen. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it really is. That's, that's a bad movie. That's, I haven't seen that. It's really bad. I don't want to. <laughs> you, you made I'll, the correct choice. I'll, I'm going to take your word on my suspicion <laughs> that it's terrible. Yeah. Um, uh, let's talk a little bit about the rest of the the High Five crew, which sure. sadly doesn't, which also is a bit of a knock on the movie because they never once explained where that name came from. I bet you that's a cutscene on the floor, probably. Um, H, yeah. Uh, how do you feel about H? 
H is a sort of a likable character. Yeah. I'll, I'll give H that. Um, there's, okay, so there's, I mean, there's a moment, let's, let's get into this. Yeah. There's a moment yeah. in the book yeah. that went around um, for being uh, very explicitly transphobic sure. um, in the book. There's, I would say, a a hint of that scene in the movie. It's not as explicit and terrible as it is in the book, yeah. um, but there's a moment where H is talking to, um, what's, what's his name, Wade. Yeah. And they say, you know, you, you don't even know if she's a girl. She could really be a dude, which is uh, it's a shitty transphobic trope, whatever. Right. But then the movie does the weird thing of like trying to pretend that was like a big twist because H H's avatar in the game is very typically male gendered. Mm-hmm. And then when we see H in real life, she is seemingly someone who is a woman. Um, yeah. I don't know. I People who hate like Tumblr are going to make fun of me for saying this, but I don't know how H identifies. That's why I've been avoiding using pronouns for this character. Yeah. But I don't know. It just seems, it seems like they're think they're, they think they're being clever, but they're not really saying anything. And in fact, they're playing on a, a kind of shitty trope. It's a kind of a thing where I remember reading that in the book and keeping in mind, like this was again, like six, seven years ago. So um, yeah. I have a different perspective on a lot of this stuff now. Mm-hmm. It comes off. I think that the intent from Ernie Klein was supposed to come off as like, even if you're no matter what gender you are, whatever your avatar is on whatever gaming platform you pick. Yeah. You can, you know, it's your, it's your call. It's just kind of clunkily done. Yeah. In the book. And it's okay in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, again, going back to the whole, it's written by a bunch of, it's written by a bunch of white guys over 40 old, old and 50. Men, yeah. Who him and Zach Penn, Aaron yeah. Klein and Zach Penn, yeah. who um don't have the new perspective, yeah, to do this uh more interestingly, mm-hmm. and I feel like you know that's kind of the thing when I I, I look at like you know, one of the things I loved about A Wrinkle in Time that just came out, mm-hmm. um, would you listen on me and Andrew's episode of uh, Nothing New? <laughs> Andrew has been talking about that movie a lot in personal life, and I'm I'm pretty stoked to see it. I still haven't. Okay, I have, I won't spoil anything, but the the important thing about that movie to me is that the, it's very clearly written by people of color mm-hmm. and uh, directed and written by genders that don't normally do movies like this. Yeah, and the fact that I that that is the case, and it doesn't feel like a air quote an agenda movie. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like they're still telling an entertaining, unique fantasy sci-fi story, mm-hmm. but in imbuing with a lot of new perspectives that these stories tend to never have yeah. shows the importance of having someone of color mm-hmm. tell an, a story that wasn't meant originally for someone who's not white, yeah, but to still be the heart of the story, yeah, and that's why I kind of feel like with with Ready Player One, same deal should have applied. Mm-hmm. You know, it would have been interesting if you got anyone else, yeah, any kind of different perspective, any kind of different perspective to to write a, per, a woman, person of color, someone, you know, and yeah, that's the thing that I still that is in fact something I can't get over mm-hmm. is the fact that it's a movie written. That could have been more if written by with someone with different written by with someone in a different perspective, and it's not. Yeah. It's just the same, uh, same white straight male POV. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Yeah, I'll agree to that. <laughs> Daito. Yeah. So I want to go about Daito for a bit. Okay. I like him enough. Mm-hmm. He's fine. Nerdy time. <laughs> Nerdy time. Here we go. Daito's actor. Mm-hmm. Is it an, I've realized as I'm watching, I'm going, why do I know this actor? Mm. He looks weirdly familiar. 
And I realized that he's in an episode of one of my beloved Tokusatsu shows, mm-hmm. Kamen Rider Double. Nice. In which he plays a uh, a breakdancer. Oh, in that's this fun. episode. <laughs> um, in that episode, they fought a cockroach monster. That was super gross. And you know, right I recognized him in that. And um, he, of course, is the one that turns into a Gundam. Sure. That's a big deal to a certain degree because this will be the first time. In Ready Player One. In Ready Player One. Yeah, sorry. I thought we were not, still in the sorry. world of Common Rider. Not Common Rider. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in Ready Player One, it turns into a Gundam. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of a big deal because Gun- this will be the first time Gundam is ever even used in a big Hollywood movie in that mm-hmm. regard. Yeah. But in the book, it was originally supposed to be Ultraman. Mm. Now, Ultraman is kind of like the Superman of Tokusatsu for the listeners who don't know who the hell Ultraman is. He's kind of like Godzilla came. Then they were like, let's come up with a with a hero version mm-hmm. of a giant of a giant who could fight giants yeah it's like okay how about this guy and he's an alien named ultraman so the bummer mm-hmm. is that ultraman is stuck in this mega weird super complicated uh legal issue in mm-hmm. thailand oh and i can't even properly explain it but it's so bizarre and mm-hmm. the stories that come out of it are even weirder than how this Thai company got the rights huh. to Ultraman outside of Japan. That's interesting. It is wild. Um, I'll link you. I'll link yes, it to you later. Do. I'm actually it, really curious. It's super weird and screwed up. Anywho, that's the bummer reason why we don't have Ultraman, but mm. we have Gundam. But the thing I couldn't help but notice in the scene is that it's still written for Ultraman in the movie mm-hmm. to a certain degree. So there's this bit where Daito's fighting Mechagodzilla. And... Again, why it's such a bummer. It's not Ultraman. Ultraman could have been fighting Godzilla. Yeah. I'm so mad at it the stupid Thai company. <laughs> anyway. I mean, it would have been the weird, shitty, fake Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, but I will take it. Yeah. <laughs> That's my grain of salt. Anyway. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's Gundam is cool. Gundam's still cool. Yeah. But the, then they point out the fact, like, oh no, the, the, oh, no, he's only got a couple minutes left because the, the, the power is only, the power only works for this amount of time or whatever. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, like, That's such a bummer because one of the rules of Ultraman mm-hmm. is that he can only survive on Earth for three minutes. Oh. <laughs> So they kept it that in there. That would have been cool. <sighs> Damn it. I'm so bummed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so bummed. I'm sorry. It's okay. And the other one is Sho. Okay, yeah. Uh, of the high five. Of the high five. The Chinese. I believe he's Chinese. And he's an, and he's an 11-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. And so going back to my 8-year-old nephew who's watching the movie. Mm-hmm. And cut. Spoiler. He really liked it. Okay. He really liked it. He actually. he Iron Giant's one of his favorite movies of all time. Sure. So he kind of jumped up and down. Oh, okay. Iron Giant showed up. But. When he found out mm-hmm. that Sho was an 11-year-old Asian kid, yeah. he freaked the hell out because representation matters. Yeah. <laughs> the only bummer is I kind of wish there was more of him. Yeah. And I feel like there was stuff of Sho in-game that was cut out because he doesn't really do much in the movie. Yeah, I like that character a lot. He's... I could have used more because yeah, when he showed up, he's kind of great, right? Yeah, like actually, I really love the scene where where Samantha and him first meet. I, yeah, I like that a lot better than when he first meets Wade. Yeah, the first time when he's like going like I'm eleven years, he's like, oh my god, she's like, what do I have to have the sign? Yeah, I'm an eleven year old. Kill me. He's like, shut up and well, just give me a hug. Ninjas don't hug. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> that kid ruled. That kid ruled, and I actually really like the actor played Daito too. So I feel like it's a bummer they. I could have got... used most of, more of both of them to be honest. I could have used way more of both. But of them. yeah, it feels like they were kind of lumped together. It's like most of the time, if one of them was on screen, so was the other. Yeah, they never really got any time on their own. It's a shame because I feel like. I feel like there was probably more, yeah, but cut for time. And I, it's a bummer because I really liked when I saw both of them on screen. They were mm-hmm. quite enjoyable. Yeah. Let's talk about Holiday. Yes. Uh, Mark, 
Mm-hmm. I forgot his name. Ryan Reardon. I don't know. He's been Spielberg. Spielberg. Bleh. Oh, here it comes. Here's the heat exhaustion. <laughs> wait, is this? Wait, this was is, that Mark Rylance? That's yeah, Mark Rylance. I didn't even recognize him. Well, he's been Spielberg's go-to since. Uh, th- I kind of think it's adorable that those two like each other. That this one likes him that much after working with him. Yeah. After Bridges Bees. Yeah, Bridges Bees. How'd you feel about him here? Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It felt weird to me. It. it he. He. The character seemed very uh, Steve Jobsy in a lot of ways, but then mm-hmm. also like Steve Jobs times stereotypical video game nerd. Yeah, that's exactly what I remember for. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. don't know. It just seemed uh, not. I don't know. It just wasn't very interesting to me. Uh, I had fun with him. Mm-hmm. It, it's not how I read the character in the book. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess I was looking. I think I read him as a straight Steve Jobsy. It also looked like it. It seemed to me like Mark Lives was playing him as like garth from wind's world but from like a dark timeline where <laughs> yeah where garth got very very depressed um i also want to bring up a thing another attempt at the movie that i kind of like i like the idea of it i don't think they quite nailed it mm-hmm. is his relationship with odigan mm-hmm. played by simon peg yeah uh, can, I, can i just take a brief moment to say mm-hmm. i'm not someone who ever sees twists coming in movies because that's just not how i watch movies sure. i don't I, I turn that little predictive part of my brain off yeah how the fuck did anyone not see that he was the curator coming? Because the curator was clearly voiced by Simon fucking Pegg. Yeah, that was one like of the... the second the curator opened his mouth, I'm like, that's Simon Pegg. That's the character we just saw. <laughs> My thing about that is, it's either two. It's one of the two. Yeah. Either it is Odigan, and he's playing the curator, or, hey, Stephen likes Simon Pegg, and he just wanted him to also play the curator. He just wanted him to be in two parts of this movie. I think that's highly possible in a world set in a video game. I guess. So I figured either answer. Yeah. But when it was real to be Simon Pegg, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because he was <laughs> clearly fucking voiced by Simon Pegg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Simon is used very sparingly. He's fine. Yeah. I, it's weird for me to say that about Simon Pegg. Yeah. I, I generally love Simon Pegg. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. It's like yeah. he isn't, he's not necessarily super integral to the film. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you see Blade Runner 2049? Kept meaning to mm-hmm. right up until it was no longer in theaters and I still hadn't. <laughs> so I have not seen the film now. Because uh, I was like Sorrento has like kind of his own like female mm. like with bangs. I don't understand Hunter. what you're saying. Here's the thing. Both movies have like a female lieutenant. Oh, you're talking about Sorrento's like, yeah. 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 Like they and yeah, in, in Red Player One, Sorrento has like his like kind of female lieutenant mm-hmm. tough with banks yeah. in the future. And then there's a lot of stuff it seems to me like they could have cut from this film. And no offense to that character, mm-hmm. but her and and also and we can get to this in a minute. But T.J. Miller's character. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I cannot recall one thing they did of significance in the film. Well, I'll say the only thing I think is fine, super funny, and I don't. I, if you're gonna say you want to cut her out, I'm cool with that. I'm not. And T.J. Miller. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you want two free? You want to take both? That's yeah. That take them both out. And give right. their time to eighty six both. <laughs> to, 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 to high five. Um, because like it might actually yeah for sure. Yeah. The, I just found it very funny because like uh, Blade Runner twenty five nine had their own kind of female lieutenant. I feel, like that's a, I feel like that's a weird trope. That's a new trope that I'm noticing now. Because this is like, like, because there's a four year gap technically <laughs> between Ready Player One's timeline and Ready and Blade Runner's time forty twenty forty nine's yeah. timeline, and they both have a female corporate. Lieutenant with bangs, who's a real, real meanie. But you said that, and I. <laughs> two more examples have popped into my head. Okay. Um, uh, the I think unfortunately little uh, scene film Bleeding Steel, uh, which was a Jackie Chan movie oh, uh, from about a year. Bleeding Steel is good as fuck. I love that All movie. Right. Did you see it? I didn't see it. It's really good. Is it on Netflix? I don't know. I saw it in the, in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a movie where Jackie Chan fights um, what the film refers to as bioroids. 
Okay. Uh, um, I guess because they forgot the word cyborg existed and was a thing, so they called them bioroids. But there's there's that a sounds like a villain from a '90s cartoon. <laughs> it really does. There's a, there's a, a henchman lady with bangs in that movie though. Okay. And then going back um, to I believe it was X Men Two. Going way back, mm-hmm. uh, X twenty three, the with the with the oh uh, bad hands, and she had bangs. Not X twenty three, but uh, Lady Deathstrike. Yes, but I think they conflated her at one point in the film. No bangs. Did she not have bangs? I'm vividly remembering bangs. No bangs. Okay, well maybe I'm just I like bangs. Hey, and listen, I'm hallucinating them. <laughs> um, it is getting hot again, so it uh, is getting <laughs> hot. So maybe the heat has has influ- has added some bangs. In I will head. take your bleeding steel. Yeah. And put that in the Rolodex of banged, a uh, bangs okay. corporate female henchman leaders. Thank you. I think that is a fair one in the category. Okay. And the fact that we are noticing this, yeah, you just stop. It's not interesting. Yeah. <laughs> They're not interesting. I, uh, I kind of want to, so overall, I want to bring up the big bit. Okay. This is the big scene in the film. Okay. Um, the bit where they have to enter a movie. Mm-hmm. And that movie is The Shining. Yes. That's not what happens in the book at all. Okay. They do enter a movie. Uh-huh. There are two movies they enter. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is War Games. Sure. And the other one is uh, Monty Python, The Holy Grail. Okay. They do. The, the Holy Hand Grenade comes up a lot in this film. Yeah. Which I feel like that's kind of the nice, that's the nod to Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, here's the thing. When I read it, I went, oh, cool. That's a neat idea in a book. Mm-hmm. The way it's done in the book, the idea is that Wade has to basically play scene for scene the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Like, he has to reenact the whole movie. Yeah. Um, playing Mar- Matthew Broderick's character. Or in Holy Grail, he has to play whatever role they need him to be, but he has to do the whole movie. Okay. That's that's fine to read in a book. And hey, and again, when I read it, I went, hey, cool, Holy Grail. But yeah. <laughs> that would make a super boring movie. Yeah. So what I, I actually... I have no idea. You probably hate it. I'm just. Gonna, I love the Shining sequence. I, I, I really do. Yeah, I hated it. I figured. <laughs> I loved it because I didn't know they were going to do that. Yeah, that just came out of nowhere for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like the Shining. That was the reaction. And I'm sure that's what they were hoping for. Yeah. Me going like that in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't work for you though, obviously. I, it, uh, no, it didn't. I was just like, hey, what if some boring people you don't care about were in The Shining? And it's like, well, mm-hmm. there was already interesting people in The Shining. Okay. So <laughs> this is only a downgrade. I don't know. I loved it. That's mm-hmm. my favorite sequence. Especially yeah. like did it, you know, like down to the fact that like they even they even like referenced the score. They yeah. re- they rebuilt the set, FYI. They actually they did, did a good job of that. They did a good job of that. Yeah. And but uh, you know you know where else I can see the set from the shining. You just watch the shining, I yeah. Know. Stephen King just, one, the one with Stephen King's in it, you know. and and Steve Weber. That's yeah, the way you're referring I mean. to. That's yeah, the of course, the good to. one, the good one. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. No, Stephen King really shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I guess that clue was like a creator who hates his creation. I guess if you're if you're not a fucking nerd like us, that yeah. maybe would have been a harder clue. Yeah, and even when they were saying it, I actually didn't quite connect that dot right away. I think a lot about the fact that Stephen King hated the movie The Shining and thought his version was good. So that I thought of it pretty quick, but only because Stephen King is such a weirdo. <laughs> uh, he is. God I'm bless him. <laughs> so none of the action scenes worked for you at all? Not really. I mean, I thought the, the race at the start was well staged. I did. Yeah. I will give it that. I don't know. King Kong showing up also was one of the weird ones where I was like, oh, that's a cool use of King Kong, I guess. Yeah. Like, that's, it, I didn't feel like I would be better off just watching a, a King Kong movie. Right. I mean, that's just because there's been a couple stinkeroos in, in <laughs> King Kong, but. That is very true. And I also, yeah, hey, look, I, 
there's literally it's like him throwing the bone. He's actually been he was throwing the, he was I heard a lot of times that Spielberg has been do, really didn't want to put too much of his movies in the movie. Yeah, but he threw the bone. All right, the Rexy from T Rex from Jurassic Park. Oh show. yeah. Which I'm like, oh, that's cool, and yeah, literally, cool. it is in fact that T Rex. Yeah. I recognize that roar anywhere. Right. No, no, that's that I, I fun think sequence. that that race is well staged. Um, yeah. The shining one, not so much for me. Mm. Uh, and then the big, the big kerfuffle at the end. The big war at the end. I thought was just really. It was just watching a bunch of CGI goop um, and characters who mm. I'd rather be watching their movies instead of this one. I, I had fun with it. I think, um, especially the, the finale. I actually quite like the finale. Um, okay, well, there's a moment, there's a thing in the finale that I thought was very very dumb. Okay. And that this wasn't even a question of it of it being simplified. Like mm-hmm. characters stood around and thought the winning the game we need to play is adventure because <laughs> of the Easter egg in adventure. Right. And then didn't figure <clears throat> out that they need to go to the Easter egg in adventure. That is definitely a uh that is definitely a, a plot contrivance. It's such a fucking waste of time. Oh sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so mad. I was so pissed off. This movie is fucking two hours and 20 minutes long. You didn't make good use of that time because you cut shit that you shouldn't have and you left shit in that you shouldn't have. Sure. And now you're making me go through this whole extra bullshit of you <laughs> figuring that out? <laughs> Fuck you, movie. <laughs> and then also, the, the movie weirdly takes this time to like develop this character of like one of the researchers yeah, yeah, at, yeah. at the bad guy institution. Yeah. And it's like, it's just this weirdly, it's in that weird zone of being too complex but not complex enough to like be worth it where it's like, she's a bad guy where we shouldn't be rooting for her and yet the movie is like pitching her as this like unique one who stands out i don't yeah. know that felt so kind of out of nowhere it, it was that was out of nowhere it, they, they were trying it's uh it did seem like the sixers as i think they're you know yeah the, the, those the, those group were kind of trying to sort of sway them into that when wade does win it's a win for all of us yeah. and it doesn't quite nail it i know the fight now the action i thought was kind of fun at the end I, i'll admit to that listen it was just so drab it was the colors it was all very mm. very yanish hey it's, t- very, it's, t- it's time. <laughs> time to shit on yanish <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I feel a little bad because I know a lot of people really love Yanish, but <laughs> he's, I mean, he's he has shot he's, he's, good movies. He has, but like when you see so many of these in a row, yeah. and then you just know the things he he just does just on a on a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> then I'm like, all right, look, it's blue. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, so it's I, kind of muted blue. Cool. I feel I have to say that Spielberg is the kind of guy who knows how to use a well placed f bomb. So for me. It's fucking Chucky kind of ruled. <laughs> I guess. I love it. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate that moment. I think that's a, that was a definitely a good audience moment yeah. when I was watching it. They, when when the, the IOI guy's like, it's fucking Chucky! And the whole crowd starts, oh my god, that's, yeah. that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit. Wait, I, I, I knew you want to throw away T.G. Miller really quick, and yeah. I'm totally fine with that. But real quick, I think he's better here than he is in the book. Okay. Because I just found him really that, boring in the that book. That's really not saying much about his character in the book. Well, no, here's the thing, right? If that's not working... <laughs> here's the thing. In the book, I literally forgot he existed. That's how boring he was in the book. I mean, give me a week, I'm going to forget he existed in the movie. He does no, so little. I like, well, like, I laughed a little bit here and there. And I guess it, it's a weird thing where, like, he's maybe in there... Maybe when they were making this movie and not when the movie came out. Maybe mm-hmm. T.J. Miller was a bit of a hotter property then. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, we're talking... <laughs> Silicon Valley, T.J. Miller. Yeah, yeah but no. Um, now no. we all know he's kind yeah, of a horrible uh, scumbag. Put him on the list. We know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like I feel like he's only there. Like he's he's only there to be T.J. Miller. Exactly. That's 
Not and wrong. I don't. I don't. I, I don't think anyone's really in a place right now where they're, where they're looking to enjoy some T.J. Miller content. I feel like that's not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you're on point. No, it's like when you're right. No, when he was cast in 2015 or 2016. Yeah, you're. That's exactly where he's at. It's like, yeah. hey, it's y'all like Silicon Valley. Yeah, Tilly T.J. Miller, right? We'll yeah. Put him in here for a character that doesn't really do much. Mm. And and well, we live in the future. And yeah. and now you know I'm sitting here going like, is it too late to cut him out of Deadpool too? It's not too late. Is he? How many scenes is he in? I don't think it is. Right? Is he just uh, the joke? That, listen, I don't want to add to the 80th brilliant person who made this joke, but mm-hmm. get Christopher Plummer. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be that. That's clever enough for Deadpool. I feel that's fine for Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. That's gonna be the new like film. Like music snobs used to say that good enough for jazz was like the phrase for when something was kind of shitty but passable. <laughs> That'll be the new the 2018 yeah. film lovers version. Is good enough for Deadpool? <laughs> Mark it. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Use that later. <laughs> Is there anything else we want to say about Ready Player One? I well, think you, another reason you why... wrap it up. Why okay. you wrap I think it up? Another... I'll wrap my thoughts after that. Just going back to another reason why I sort of hated watching these characters. <laughs> Wade and Samantha's first time they meet in um, H's like Chop Chop. Yeah. There's this back and forth where it's just them exchanging deeper and deeper cut references. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, that's the kind of douchebag I was... 10 years ago. No. And yeah. I hate that person. Just because I was that person once doesn't mean that person's cool. Yeah. And it just, I don't know. It just, if I was in a room with them, I would be like looking for every excuse to get out. I mean, I guess keeping in mind, they're young. Yeah. And so we all went through that phase. Yeah, true. But we all went through that phase of like, oh yeah, you're thinking into this. Well, do you know this? But again, I don't think the movie sees, I don't think the movie is pitching that as a bad thing. And then that's where it's bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't then, think that's inaccurate, but also that's now encouraging that kind of behavior. Yeah. Cause then also like that, that sort of thing comes back later in the film where it's supposed to be like cool. Um, I'm thinking of the scene when it's um, Sorrento is tempting him with his big offer and he's got his goons on the phone and, and he's like, Oh, which high school Faber or um, Ridgemont. And you're supposed to like be impressed with this cool trick Wade has done to suss yeah. out whether or not, and it's like, yeah. I, and in my head, I, that's one of those things where I was thinking, oh, I was pretty sure it was Shermer High, but I guess I was wrong. And then I went, <laughs> and then when I and I realized it was a trick, I was like, oh, I guess I wasn't wrong. Uh, okay, <laughs> like there's just no, there's nothing satisfying. I guess I would like to me. talk to talk to somebody about this movie who's not one of us yeah and that but i'm so I'm, curious I, as to what they would think that's because... why that's that's what i mean it's like i kind of want to know well here's the yeah. thing like my eight-year-old nephew loved it mm-hmm. but he's also not saying that he's dumb I'm saying he's also the the innocent enough age to just sort of enjoy movies yeah and that's know? i mean eight olds eight olds watching movies is such a funny thing because it's like you know me you know i love the star wars prequels now yeah, yeah, yeah. um i also loved like i loved the phantom menace when i was eight when it came out yeah looking at it now I couldn't imagine what about that is appealing to an eight year old, but obviously it was right. And I, we'll see yeah. how we how he'll feel about it in due time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, um, he gets into phases. My my eight year old nephew. Yeah, but I'm in. Intri- yeah, it's a thing where it's like I will. I me as a when I was eight, I've latched on to a lot of movies that I feel like a, like grabbed on to that did stuff that I liked, mm-hmm. and I. I will sort of still like them now, even if I don't think they're good. Yeah. There's a movie I saw as an eight-year-old child that I know is not good, but I own it on DVD mm-hmm. called Robo Jocks. Okay. I might have even brought it up in this show. Once. I don't think you have. Well, because the ti- I would have remembered the title Robo Jocks. Okay, Robo Jocks. 
two giant. It's like gladiators, but with giant robots. I'm into this. Yeah, it's not great, but it's kind of fun and stupid. Yeah, but I loved it as a kid because I loved giant robot shows. Sure. So I'll take what I can get. Of course. And I don't know how he's gonna feel because you know my eight year old nephew has a wide variety of things to pick from. Yeah. But it'd be intrigue, intriguing to to know what he's gonna what he will feel like in due time. So mm-hmm. I do want to share. I know this will be zero to the audience, but I want to share a photo that my brother sent me of uh that's him Aww, getting that's, his, a, that's adorable that's him getting his easter egg you want to explain yeah. what you just saw <laughs> um i saw a picture of a of a child holding a sort of giant um easter egg shaped thing i don't know what that material was made of yeah um inside looked like a pez figure that's correct it looked like a, a chippendale rescue ranger to me mm-hmm. uh, th- there was a bit of you know it's through a filter here yeah. uh, the, the egg shaped thing um and he's wearing vr goggles so he's like, yeah my brother yeah. sent it to me going like oh here's your nephew co- uh, cosplaying as wade that's really a fucking adorable <laughs> as much as i hate the film that is adorable <laughs> Any other thoughts you want to wrap up? I'll just jump with mine. I, I thought it was just this very weird, empty experience of just chaining references with nothing beneath any of them. Mm. Whereas, Which I guess I, I think a lot of people would watch the trailer and expect that. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of a read. If you watch the trailer and you're one of the many people on Twitter who are super snarky about it, then yeah. just don't worry about it. Yeah. You were correct. You were correct for, on your for you, yeah. For you. Yeah. I saw the trailer and I was looking forward to it and I I had a movie I got a movie that I overall really liked. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge its flaws and I did. But there's enough in there for me to enjoy it. I kind of yeah, they're underdeveloped, but I like the high five mm-hmm. when I do see them. And yeah, the sequels are I think they're well staged. I think with Spielberg doing this stuff, uh it's not as good as Tintin obviously. Since it's much better. Yeah, obviously. But I like, I can sense he's having fun here. Yeah. And I kind of like it when Steven's having fun. When Steven's not having fun, he does Lost World. Yeah. And I hate Lost World. <laughs> I think I like Lost World better than this. Um, we're not going to go there. Wait, can I just do one? Can I just do one little poopy on the movie before we go? I did not do one more positive to, with the to counteract. Okay, I really fucking hate the the way the look of the of the movie and that like this is this world where you're part of the promise of Oasis mm-hmm. is your avatar can look whatever look like whatever you want it to, and both Samantha and Wade choose these fucking Gaia Online default <laughs> avatar ass looking things that are just so uninteresting. <laughs> You know what? I actually grew to like their designs. I hated them so much. <laughs> no, I like them. Okay, I'm enjoy. I enjoyed them. Yeah. Um, I think there's people who are probably gonna be on your side more than mine. Yeah. So fair. <laughs> <laughs> that was Ray Player One. You want to do? It? Do you still have? Do you want to have energy to do a little? What's any other racks you've seen? Any other films you uh, saw? I've just been insanely busy uh, with my other with my jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been I've been working some back to the back uh, sixty plus hour weeks. Oh boy! Uh, so I just haven't seen. They're called move. They're called m- movies. Movies, yes. I don't think I've seen one of those in a while. It's. I'm gonna open up my movie log right now. I've seen like two movies this month, which compared like normally on tip like this time last year, I would see like close to thirty movies in a month. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched Sky Captain the World tomorrow. The first forty minutes of that are good. <laughs> oh, there's I'm, a lot more of it that's not. I but, will. Okay, so you did see the whole thing already. Yeah. Can I point out? Yes, you're super on point. Yeah. I adore those first 40 minutes, yeah. and, and then it goes into a poopy. Yeah, it really does. Hey. Well, I watched a movie called Gleaming the Cube. It's very good. Is that with Christian Slater? Yeah, it is. Is that about him being a rollerblader? It's about him being a skateboarder. A oh, skateboarder. So, is um, Jack Black in this one? No. No, I'm thinking of something else. Gleaming the Cube. Go ahead. It's a, it's a very interesting movie. Um, <laughs> so Christian Slater, his adopted brother, 
uh, is from Vietnam and he gets sort of mixed up with these Vietnamese gangs in Orange County. I did not know this is even close to being the plot of the <laughs> yeah. movie. Keep going. <laughs> She's like a skateboarder. He's got an adopted Vietnamese brother who gets mixed up with these Vietnamese gangs who are smuggling weapons out of into and out of Vietnam for some reason. And then the brother is killed and Christian Slater has to avenge him. As a skateboarder? Yes, he has to use his skateboard skills to avenge his uh, his brother. 1990? It's like 87. Okay, so it's close. It's a, it's getting to the edge of the 90s. Yeah. Okay. And I will say this. even though, So 87 is a couple years before I was born, but as someone who grew up in Orange County, this movie looks the most like the version of Orange County that I know of anything in my life. Because like, you know, I mean, you're, 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 you like grew up here too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. This is not like Newport. This is not like the Orange County you see in the OC. Right. Or even in the in the Jack Black movie, the OC. Or, or, or it was called Orange County. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parts of Anaheim, like Buena Park, Garden Grove, like where we're from. Mm-hmm. That's where this movie shot. And, and it looks so much like it. And it's, Shut up, really? Yeah. I still didn't know that. Mm-hmm, if you're from this area, watching this movie is a real trip because it looks so much like the Orange County of the 90s because that's where they shot. Um, you just, you totally just got me sold on this because I want to see that. It's so really bad. worth seeing. Yeah. And it's also, it's, just, I don't know, it's cool. Like, you'll, like, they'll be in the middle of this big chase and the cop will be on the radio, like, I'm on Harbor going towards Catella. And it's like, shit, I know, I know exactly where that is. is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I know exactly where that is. If you're from or- the part of Orange County that we are also from, I highly recommend that movie because it's a real trip. <laughs> All right. Also, Christian Slater for the first half of the film dresses exactly like George Michael, and it's great. <laughs> oh no I'm sold oh, also Tony Hawk is in the movie how old is Tony Hawk in this thing he's a baby boy oh he's a very god. young Tony Hawk oh my god that's yeah. adorable I'm gonna watch that now yeah can't believe I'm gonna watch Gleaming the Cube do it <laughs> um, last movie we saw was Pack Rim Uprising mm, I wanna see that but maybe it's not so good I'm hearing it's fine yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's fine I um, the Kaiji stuff is still fun mm-hmm. Boyega is a, is a step up um, yeah, I'm looking. That's mostly why I want to see it. Uh, boy, is fun. I can tell he's enjoying himself. That's he gets good. he gets to be a bad boy here. Am I remembering the post? Because I've it's one of those movies where I was like, yeah, I'm gonna see this movie, so I don't really watch the shows because I know I'm gonna see it. Yeah. Am I remembering my vision of the post correctly? And that he has a mustache in the film. A mild mustache. Okay. So it's not like a full blown like mm-hmm. his dad. Yeah. But it's there to remind you of his dad. Okay. Because <laughs> um, I'm into the idea of him with the mustache. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Um, I'm not a big fan of what they do with some of the things in it. Okay. The movie's a little lost sometimes. Okay. Play pacing's a little weird. I felt that way about the first Pacific Rim, too, though. Yeah, it's a little worse here. Okay. So keep that in mind. Okay. Um, Noted. Scott Eastwood is a blight in my Scott franchise. Scott Eastwood is in the film? Yeah. Why did they exactly. do that? Exactly. Scott Eastwood... Is a is like a blemish on my franchises, it's, and I it's 2018. Stop putting Scott Eastwood in your movies, and it's like the same fucking guy. Yeah, it's like you look like your dad, but you don't. You don't got one iota mm. of your dad's like charisma that he had back then, your age. Yeah, and I have to see you slug it through. And also, even your dad kind of sucks now. Let's not lie about that. Yeah, but like, but like, I have to see you slug through a. A fucking unfor- a forgettable performance in fa- in Fate of the Furious. Yeah, God, what a! I love that movie so much. If I would, I would pay good money for a Scott Eastwood free cut. Please, yeah. I, it's just like, what are you doing in this movie? You get your ass handed to you by everybody. Yeah, which is the only thing I can kind of like about <laughs> it. And then here, I'm like, oh, great! I have to sit through you mm. here. I will take and I, Charlie Hunnam is. Okay, in Pac Rim. I'll take bad a th- accent though. I'll take a thousand bad accent Charlie Hunnam's over. Kaiju. 
I'll take a thousand bad accident Charlie Hunnam's over yeah. one Scott Eastwood. Yeah. He is so. F- Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> I hate Scott Eastwood. I don't, please stop putting him in things. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's all I saw. Okay. Yeah. Plugs? <laughs> yeah. Uh, once again, you can find me on Instagram at Justin Keyson on Twitter. Uh, actually, Instagram Justin Quiz on Twitter. Uh, Justin Keyson at Justin Keyson. Don't forget to read the free web comic I do with Victor Kamba called Shining Yusha that's available on Tumblr and Facebook. Also, hey, if you're still into the tokusatsu Japanese superhero stuff that I've just talked about in this episode quite a bit, and uh, you're currently watching, you know, the current Sentai Rider shows, if you're somehow still in that audience, that's interesting to me, let me know and and watch uh, my weekly appearances on that hashtag show on Saturday, uh, which is called Henshin Hangout. Uh, it's me... A couple other guys who uh, also uh, we rotate on who was going to be on the show. Mostly me, another dude named Jezzer, another dude named Johnny. Once a month, we get the, the really awesome Paula Gatos, who's uh, who's uh, currently the editor in chief of uh, Tokusatsu Network, nice. the website. All very funny, smart, and uh, fun people to talk to about Sentai and Comrider. So we are we are there every Saturday. There will be always a new live show. Come join us on the live show. Talk, and if you need access to those shows, you know there's ways. There's ways. There's ways. Just, just you'll find them. Just you know, just poke around. Poke around. You'll, you'll, just, around. you'll just, find it. Yeah, just you'll right. never know. What you'll you'll find. never know. And of course, it's in the same place you find Gleaming the Cube, probably. <laughs> and of course, I have another podcast on this network called Be- uh, Nothing New. This is what happens you when almost said Ben Beyond Spielberg. Didn't because you? when I'm mentioned Hangout, yeah. I have to mention both shows. Yeah. And I forget I can only have to mention I only have to mention one, one show. Of the podcast, yeah. <laughs> Nothing new with Andrew Lindy. We our recent episode was on uh, uh, Wrinkle in Time, and our next episode is on Death Wish. Oh, I'm sorry. I I insisted on it, but I'm not looking forward That's, to it. Yeah, Andrew told me that you had insisted on it, and listen, I I, I know that would get us more listeners, but you also just, you just love making your co-hosts watch movies they don't want to watch. Hey, this time I don't want to watch it either, <laughs> so we we both be suffering. Yeah. <laughs> that's my that's my lot in life, Emily. <laughs> Have my co-hosts and friends feel pain. Fucking C-3PO <laughs> over here. Uh, Emily, remember, go ahead. What what who what am I? You, I do another show on Bendu. It's yes. called Super Mario Brothers Minute. It's where me and Angel Lindy, who you might remember from that plug a few seconds ago, um, we talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie, and we do talk about Alan Silvestri's score and how sometimes it seems to utilize the pizza delivery music from the Spider-Man Two video game, even though that hadn't come out yet. Um, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Very Cool Emily. That's also my Instagram handle. Check, 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 check it out. Rate and review us on iTunes. What, what, what's it gonna be? <laughs> Do I have anything else to plug? Want to talk about your work on, uh, on the, on James Bonding? Anything, oh, sure. Anything new that just came up with James Bonding? Uh, James Bonding, they just did their episode on The World Is Not Enough, um, with the great Danny Snow. I have not finished your Man on the Golden Gun episode. Yep. Because I realized I haven't seen that movie in a long time, and all three of you are referencing things that I don't remember. Yeah. So I kind of want to rewatch the movie and then Just go back to the episode. Just keep plugging until you get to the like 40 minute chunk where we talk about Star Wars. Because <laughs> um, it's in there. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I do social media for James Bonding, and I'm sometimes on the show. Uh, I won't I point out that I love listening to you on the show because it's a trip, because I've also listened to quite a bit of uh, Nerdist or ID10. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm, so I'm, I'm familiar with Matt Myra on that show. Yeah. And so the idea that every once in a while I'll like, it's Emily. Yeah. <laughs> Emily talking to Matt Myra. That's wild. It's a trip to be on the show, yeah. Um, 
But yeah, check that out and tell tell your friends about this show. There we go. And join <laughs> us next next time. Next when month we'll talk about something. We'll figure it out. But join us next month. Yeah. <laughs> bye bye. I'm Aaron. I'm Brendan. I'm Brian. And I'm Rob. And we're the hosts of Faux Boys, the podcast about Doughboys, the podcast about chain restaurants. So, Aaron, what is Doughboys? Doughboys is this podcast hosted by Nick Weiger and Mike Mitchell, who are two hilarious comedians, where they talk about chain restaurants every single week. So, wait, what's Faux Boys, then? Faux Boys is a podcast hosted by Aaron, Brendan, Brian, and Rob, four hilarious comedians who talk about Doughboys, the podcast about chain restaurants. Are we going to go to the same chain restaurants that the Doughboys are going to? I sure hope so, but if we don't, we're still going to record an episode. Do they have chain restaurants in Canada? <laughs> Some of them. So tune in to Foughboys, the podcast about Doughboys, the podcast about chain restaurants on BenviewNetwork.com. Every two weeks to listen to Foughboys, the podcast about the podcast about chain restaurants. Hey, does Feral Audio know we're doing this? This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.